You're listening to Radio Influence. You're listening to Crush Performance with The Crusher, Jeff Crushell. Get in on the talent grid and text Crush at 101260 with your questions, comments, or smart-ass remarks. And welcome to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Grishel, and we're your weekly source for performance information. Thanks so much for joining us this week. We've got a really big show, episode number three of our 2022 theme, Organizational and Team Performance. Today, we are going to talk with Crush favorite performance coach, Dr. Jacques Delaire of Performance Prime. Dr. Delaire does a lot of work in the motorsports world. As a matter of fact, he's a founding member of the International Council of Motorsport Sciences, but he worked with a lot of pro athletes, business people, and one of the areas that he specializes in is putting together the constructs of human performance for a team environment. And I can't wait for this conversation today. We're going to talk to Dr. Delaire about his performance equation and how important it is to really understand what you control and what you don't control. If you're really, really going to get results and the importance of not even thinking about results, set your goals and focus on where you're at. These B factors that Dr. Delaire has made us aware of. We're going to also talk about thriving cultures and how important it is to have pressure in order to thrive. But dealing with that pressure is critical. And one of the key points in that is self-evaluating. Something that's always been a major interest of me is the human's lack of ability to really, truly self-evaluate. We're going to ask Dr. Delaire how he goes about that and his take on self-evaluation. I think that's going to be a really interesting conversation because we typically don't do a good job of it. Even in a corporate and an organizational setting, if you look at the feedback systems we have for people inside of the organizations, a lot of the times it's incredibly unsatisfactory. What is it, like a, a three-month self-evaluation or a six-month self-evaluation? I think we need constant feedback constant loops of, of ideas and thoughts and sharing. And that doesn't exist a lot in today's team and organizational world. And of course, anytime you're under pressure or operating under pressure or in the public eye, you're dealing with stress, anxiety, and the pressure of just being out there. How do you handle pressure? Framing it up and putting it in the right context is, is very, very important. And we're going to talk about some of the tools you can use right now to reduce how anxiety and stress affects you. It's always going to be there. A lot of it, unfortunately, though, is self-created. We create our own anxiety and stress because we allow certain things to happen. Let's put an end to that today. And there's one simple question I think that can really, really help. And Dr. Delaire talks about this for sure. If you clearly understand what's impacting you, what's holding you back, or what's affecting you in a negative way, you have a better shot of wiping that out. It goes back to the conversation we have on this show all of the time when it comes to problem solving. I mean, you guys have heard me say this numerous times on the show. If I had one wish for all of our athletes, all of our children, and if for everybody who's listening to the, to the show, it would be to show you or ensure that you are an incredible problem solver 
and an incredible decision maker. If we have those two things in our arsenal, there's not a lot holding you back. And part of that problem solving is understanding what's going on around you, positive and negative, what's influencing you to perform better, understand that and make it happen more often. What's happening around you that's holding you back or, or pushing you down, understand that. And now we can take steps to wiping that out. And stress, anxiety, and pressure are all part of high performance. Let's embrace it. And there are strategies you can use to actually take those elements and make them work for you. They're very derogatory in the way we perceive them, right? Stress, anxiety, pressure. We all think that's a negative thing. It is not a negative thing. We've just got to frame it upright and feed off it. Like the wood going on a fire, the fuel going into a jet engine. And if we can turn that around, trust me, that opens up doors of opportunity, new levels of performance that you might have never even imagined before. And that all comes down to a magical word called perspective, which we'll talk about today as well. So get set, everybody. Quick start here. We're going to get into it because we have a lot to cover with Dr. Jacques Delaire. Episode number three of the Crush Theme Organizational and Team Performance coming right up. Stick around. You're listening to Crush Performance, your weekly source for sport performance and athletic development information. Get the Crush blogs, podcasts, and performance links at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. I am Jeff Kershell. Okay, let's get to it. Episode number three, looking at our 2022 theme of organizational and team performance. And I'm very, very happy to introduce Crush favorite, Dr. Jacques Delaire of Performance Prime. Dr. Delaire, thanks for joining us here today. I know that organizational and team performance is something that's near and dear to your heart. But we also know that you really do focus on individual performance and making sure those individuals then can operate inside of that team performance. So glad you could join us. Thank you, Jeff, for having me. Well, it's been uh, just over a year since we had you on the show. And of course, that was sort of the onset of the COVID madness we've been dealing with and the world has been dealing with. What an incredible trying time uh, for everybody on planet Earth. It's kind of uh, really interesting to see how something so trying and challenging has sort of connected us all in this weird way. No doubt. No doubt. Uh, and I think, you know, as we see the unfolding war in the Ukraine and the the absolute devastation that's going on there on the heels of, and in fact, still embedded within the COVID pandemic. There are so many people around the globe worried about their future, whether it's an economic future, a, a security future, and worry always drives anxiety. I've never seen anxiety levels as high generally as they've been in the last year and a half to two years. And anxiety can be such a monster for so many people. Um, and, and I don't think, Dr. Dallaire, uh, that we're really, truly armed that well to deal with it. But it's such a human thing where there's, you know, those external factors and in, in situations that can cause anxiety. But also there's that self-induced anxiety that you talk about, especially in, in high-pressure situations. So there are coping mechanisms to help deal with anxiety and stress if you really start tuning into that, aren't there? Absolutely. And I think, uh, you know, I would I would comment on one of your statements you just made that self-induced anxiety. I think people need to realize that all anxiety 
is self-induced anxiety. Sometimes external factors, often that are outside of our control, lead us to create that self-induced anxiety. Because if you think about it, we, don't, we are not anxious. We don't suffer with this issue of anxiety unless we're worried. Isn't that true? true? You're not worried about something. You're not anxious. So worry is the precursor of anxiety. And worry is an internal dialogue we have inside our own mind, usually about the future. And it's associated with fear about the future, uncertainty about the future, and whether we can weather the storm or not. So the truth of it is, anxiety comes from the internal thoughts we create in our conscious mind that are associated with worry about something. So how do you minimize anxiety in a difficult situation? Well, you have to change the way you look at things. And perspective is a really important thing. The perspective about what's going on in our life and the coping skills you talk about. One of the key coping skills that human beings utilize to deal with high pressure moments and minimize anxiety is a sense of control. And the truth is, there are some things that we cannot control. You and I have discussed this before. We talk about B factors. By definition, the things that we can't control. But here's the reality. Even though we can't control things that we can't control, we do have 100% control over how we choose to see those things. And if we change the way we see them, we can change the emotional response that that thought process drives. And Anxiety is simply an emotion. It's when we create that is a product of our conscious mind thoughts. So you're right. The coping skills are not well understood by most people. And that's why we're kind of hit and miss. And generally, people don't cope well with challenging situations. Think like a champion. When things are going well, it's a horse of a very different color when they're not. And usually, when Things are not going well and our confidence tanks and our anxiety goes up, our performance usually goes down. Yeah, and we see that all too often. We're talking with Dr. Jacques Delaire. You can check out his incredible information at performanceprime.net. He is a founding member of the International Motorsport uh, Council of Motorsport Science and uh, also the founder of the Performance Equation. I'm really interested, Dr. Dallaire, you know, we talk about individuals and how individuals work together to create teams. And I've been following your your posts on Twitter and Instagram and all your work you do with the with the uh, motorsport industry. And I'm really intrigued by this idea of motorsport science. Again, this year on Crush Performance, one of our main themes is organizational and team performance. And boy, in any really thriving team or organization, they're, they're under pressure and that stress and anxiety, it is absolutely everywhere. But just recently, I was watching uh, some of the sport highlights from the weekend, and it was one of the one of the motorsport races. This was a NASCAR race in particular, and they showed the pit stop of this of the leading car. He goes in for his pit stop and boom, 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 the clock starts ticking. And I think they... He was in and out in like seven seconds or six seconds or something. And I was going, man, if that's not team performance, I don't know what is. All of these individual principles, you have to take care of yourself first, but then also you have to operate within inside of a team. How important is it to create as, as maybe a leader or, or a leadership, creating an environment where people can prosper and, 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 and understand and deal with that anxiety and stress properly? 
I think it's a question of culture to a large extent. And if you think about it, in any kind of a team environment, a pit stop is a good example, a race team. You're only as fast in executing that pit stop as your slowest team member. If the guy who changes the front tires takes two and a half seconds longer than everybody else, the car is in the pit box for two and a half seconds longer than it needed to be. So the reality of it is the overall team performance is an accumulation. It's an aggregate of all of the individual performances of the people on that, in that group that are responsible for different things, changing tires, fueling, whatever it happens, jacking the car, whatever it happens to be. So when the culture is about, I'll call it performance excellence, doing the best you can in your job, when you aggregate all of those things together, you end up with ex- excellent uh, moments of virtuosity as a team performance. So worrying about being fast in a pit stop has never made a pit stop faster. What makes a pit stop faster? Each individual person focusing on their job and delivering it to the best of their ability in that moment, full stop, period, end of sentence. If everybody does that effectively and you've practiced and choreographed the movements of those people, the end result is going to be a team performance that gets your car into the pit box and out in the fastest possible time, and you might gain two positions on the track as a result of that team performance. But don't forget, a team performance is a product of the individual performances of the various team members. You can take that to football, you can take it to baseball and so on. It doesn't matter how good the guys out on the field are. If the pitcher's throwing a bad, a lousy game, you're not going to do that well. At the same time, the pitcher might be throwing a great game, but if someone in the field keeps dropping the ball, I'm exaggerating here, of course, um, you're still not going to be ahead of the game as a team. So people tend to worry about the outcome because we're taught in society that it's a good thing to worry about results. It's good to feel worry and it's good to express worry because what does worrying about results prove? It proves that we care. Isn't that true? Right. If you see someone who doesn't get bent out of shape when they don't achieve the results they were striving for, our first inclination is to think, well, they're not hungry enough. They don't want it badly enough. They don't really care. I would argue that the person who doesn't get bent out of shape who learns from the experience and focuses that new knowledge on his preparation for the next moment of performance is the guy who really cares because he's not wasting any of his central processor capacity worrying about something that he can't control and that hasn't even happened yet, the results in a given situation. So it's about culture. It's about creating a culture where individual excellence is supported, promoted and supported, and then orchestrated together to create team performances that are superlative. Yeah, I really appreciate that, Dr. Dallaire. You know, on the opening page of the Performance Prime website, you have this really cool shot of like the snowbirds or a a jet group, you know, flying through the air and uh, it's creating and supporting high-performance team cultures, you know, where decisions, uh, you know, and the smallest decision, you know, individually can change the outcome of a team. 
You've worked with world-class athletes, business leaders. You worked in special forces and, and entertainers and all, all over. Um, you know, when we talk about, you know, those individuals coming together and mastering, I can't help for some reason. Something popped into my mind and just this image of, a, of an orchestra coming together. And one thing that's always fascinated me in the, in the music world, especially when you go and hear, you know, a major orchestra play, you know, some incredible, incredible um, uh a performance is how all of those instruments come together to create this incredible sound. We've all heard those individual athletes, you know, create music, but when it all comes together, man, it is something special. And I think, you know, that for me is one of the true challenges of, or maybe a great example of a sort of a team performance, because some of these orchestras have you know, upwards of a hundred musicians playing together to create this incredible sound. And I think that could probably resonate into the business world, certainly into the sporting world, and even into the family life for that matter. Absolutely, absolutely correct. And the reality of it is, if you were listening to a 50-piece orchestra and one of the instruments is badly out of tune, it would influence your perception of the entire piece being played. There would be some cognitive dissonance about what's being played, and all of a sudden, it doesn't sound nearly as good. And all it takes is one instrument to be out of tune. Team, teams operate like that, whether it's a leadership team in a corporate environment, sport teams, special forces teams, it does not matter. It's all about integrating the individual performances into a collective whole and orchestrating them, arranging them in such a way that every person who is doing their job effectively contributes to the overall mission or goal that the team has set for itself. I've been doing this now for 50 years. It's my 50th year, and I've had the opportunity, as you said, to work with many thousands of high-performance people. And I believe beyond a shadow of the doubt, based on that five decades of experience, that the holy grail in the performance world, and I don't care if it's a sport performance, I don't care if it's a um, occupational performance, a military performance, an artistic performance, it does not matter. The holy grail is the ability to control the deployment of our focus of attention so that we direct it to the right thing at the right time. It's as simple as that. If we do that, we will, we will achieve two key things. We will deliver the best performance we possibly can deliver in that situation things we can't control and we will never have performance anxiety because when you're focused on what you're doing in the moment you're doing it you're not preoccupied by the outcome of what you're doing it does not create that sense of worry that leads to the production of anxiety and if you think about it when you're in that sweet spot when you're in that groove where you're mentally in your zone whatever you want to call it there's no anxiety at all is there the key is control of focus yeah, and that's a talent right there. And, you know, Dr. Delary, we've talked about your performance equation, which, you know, when we talked about that uh, for the first time on the show, uh, it really resonated with people. And I think that's a tool. You know, you talk about the controllables and the uncontrollables. Your performance equation is just a powerful, powerful tool. And if you go back, everybody, you can go to Dr. Delaire's uh, website and you can check out his books, Performance, Think Performance Thinking and Helping Kids Perform. It all revolves around this concept. But you've come up with something else that I think is very, very interesting. 
And that's the whole ACT model and, and you know, a structured process. You know, when it comes to self-evaluation and evaluating yourself, I honestly feel we, we need some help and guidance there because I don't think humans are great at self-evaluation. But I think maybe that's where, you know, when we commit to doing something, would it be fair to say, Dr. Dallaire, that when we when we commit to getting something done, there is a, there's there's sort of a... Um, uh, consequence there, then the consequence might be accountability and responsibility that come along with committing to something. And I'm not sure everybody's really comfortable going all in in that in that sort of adventure. Well, that's the difference between people who are truly successful at the highest levels and everybody else is the level of their all in this, if that's even a word. But you know what? I, I disagree with you a little bit about the self evaluation. I think people are really good at one component of Mm self-evaluation, and that component is self-criticism. Ah, right. Unfortunately, however, unfortunately, however, we are not effective at all at self-critique in most instances. We're good at, we're super good at self-criticism. We're not good at self-critique. And the difference is there's a value judgment associated with the self-criticism that does not exist in a self-critique. Self-critique answers the question, what didn't I do as well as I could have in that situation? And how could I do it better next time? Without the self-flagellation of beating myself up for for having screwed up yet again, which is the self-criticism. Because we're really good at self-criticizing. I I hear it all the time. I see it. We're not good at self-critique. And the ACT model is simply a process, a methodology of self-critique and self-correction, not self-criticism. And because of that, it opens the door to understanding without beating oneself up, without the self-recrimination for having failed, on what we can do better next time. And then taking that lesson learned and simply moving forward. Easy to say, not easy to do, because society is very good at criticism. Yeah, isn't that true? It's almost set to a default. Criticize, criticize, criticize. But I really like the differentiation here between criticize and critique. If we would critique more, set up a culture of critique and being able to accept that feedback and and information in the proper way, I think we would all be better off. And certainly within an organization, that is no doubt a critical component for sure all right everybody we have to cut out for a quick break when we come back we'll continue this discussion on self-evaluation and i want to talk about anxiety and stress and how high performance environments really do embrace it and turn it around into an advantage with dr jacques delaire lots more to come on crush performance stick around This week's episode of Crush Performance is brought to you by our good friends at Athletic Greens. I've never been a fan of taking pills or vitamins, but I know firsthand with travel and busy schedules how hard it can be to eat right. I wanted something that would help boost my immune system, boost energy, and help support recovery. Tons of people take some kind of multivitamin, and it's important to choose one with high-quality ingredients that your body can actually absorb. With one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right. It's a special blend of ingredients that support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy recovery, focus, and aging. 
and it's cheaper than getting all the different supplements yourself. In fact, Athletic Greens was created when the founder experienced a ton of gut health issues and ended up on a complicated supplement routine to recover. It cost him $100 a day. It's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially as we work our way through the flu and cold season. And I'd like to set you up, so here's what we're going to do. Right now, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash crush. Again, that's athleticgreens.com backslash crush with a K and take ownership of your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. Find out what it takes to be a top performer. Get the Crush blog, podcast, and newsletter at crushperformance.com. Now, back to the show. Hey, welcome back to Crush Performance, everybody. Well, listen, we are well into episode number three of our organizational and team performance series here with Dr. Jacques Delaire. Dr. Delaire, thanks for hanging on over the break. Listen, just before the break, we were talking something that I find very, very interesting and important when it comes to not just organizational and team performance, but also in terms of personal individual performance as well. And that's the idea of self-evaluation. And you put a new light on it for me, something I hadn't really talked about before, the concept of, of criticizing and critiquing. Criticizing, man, we, we're, it's so easy to criticize ourselves and others, but to critique and give really good feedback that is an art form, and that's how you move people and organizations forward. I guess it comes down to this whole idea of perspective, that's for sure. But just being aware of the marked difference between criticizing yourself and critiquing yourself can be really important because, let's face it, we can be pretty hard on ourselves and others if we want to be. Uh, most people create the anxiety that they feel. The basis of it is this self-criticism. What if I'm not good enough? What if I disappoint the people around me? What if I fail? What if I get fired? What if I get hurt? What if I lose my job? What if my marriage falls apart? All the what ifs that represent that mental digging that we're all so good at. And the reality of it is so much of the stuff around us, we cannot control. There are factors outside of our control. In my equation, those are the B factors. Right. And the reality of it is we're going to be faced with B factors all the time of different sorts, health issues, economic issues, in some cases, sadly, right now, security and living issues. It's how we deal with them that changes the level of anxiety we derive from those situations and how effective we are at performing our way through those situations. Because in the end, it's not wishing things that would be better, that will make them better. It's not worrying about failure that has ever made failure less likely. What creates the best moments of success, the best performances? The full-throated focus on the execution of the process day-to-day that leads to that result. Worrying about it's not gonna make it better. And yet, what do we all do? I pose the question to people when I do seminars around the world, whether it's a sports team, a special forces team, a business leadership team, what stops you in those moments of performance from delivering the kind of virtuosity 
that sometimes you can manifest, but not always. When you can't, when you can't find that mental sweet spot, what is it that gets in the way? And 100% of the time, I hear two things. 90% of the time, this is the first one, fear. Fear of what? Fear of failure, self-doubt, lack of consequence, lack of confidence, worry over the consequence is what high performance people tell me is the thing that corrupts their mindset and prevents them from, from bringing the kind of performance that they're sometimes able to manifest, but not always. Most of the time, that's the first answer I get. The second one, close on the heels to that, is distractions. If I'm not connected to what I'm doing in the moment I do it, if I am preoccupied by something else or distracted by something else, I will not do my best work. 100% of the time, those are the two things that even the best performers in the world will tell me gets in the way and corrupts the mindset that prevents them from creating those moments of personal virtuosity. Isn't that interesting? And it doesn't matter what culture they're from, what language they speak, how old they are, whether it's a man or a woman, or what their job or occupation is, those are the two answers that I get 100% of the time. Interesting, isn't it? No one in my 50 years of doing this has ever come to me and said, I want to be a loser. I'd like to fail. I'm really hoping to come in last this weekend. Can you show me how to suck at this thing I'm about to do? Because I'd really like to suck at it. Isn't that interesting? Not one person in the thousands of people I've dealt with over the last 50 years has ever said that to me. Of course not. Because if they did, I'd be looking for the hospital and getting them checked in. Yeah, no kidding. Because success success is obviously a heck of a lot better than failure. Now, I know people who don't believe they can be successful. I know people who don't know how to be successful. I know people who aren't willing to work at becoming successful because anybody who's truly successful understands the sweat equity necessary to become successful, but everybody wants it. So they fear not getting it. And then society supports that by constantly putting in their face how they're doing and then asking them why they're not being more successful than they are. Right. And there's a fear of judgment there too. You know, this is a fantastic conversation. We're talking with Dr. Jacques Delaire. You can check out his work at drdelaire.com. Follow him on Twitter at Dr. Delaire. And you can also check out performanceprime.net. Dr. Delaire, this is fantastic. You know, fear and distractions uh, and that sweat equity that you talk about. Um, you have to practice those things, don't you? You have to practice dealing and overcoming with fears. You have to practice uh, eliminating and getting rid of distractions. I mean, this is something that might not be a natural state of things. So we've got to practice it and sort of hone it. And, and how much do you think the responsibility, or I shouldn't say responsibility, how much do you think um, leaders need to, to take this into account when they're helping their people and their teams? you know, perform. I just, on your website, performanceprime.net, uh, uh, right beside the science of winning, you have a special forces team there. And boy, oh boy, when I think about discipline and execution, for some reason, I always think about the special forces where it's so critical. I mean, that's life and death. We're not playing games here. That's a whole new ball game. And, and the urgency and I guess the importance of, of being disciplined is all important in that scenario. Absolutely, but it's important in, in every scenario. And I think what I've observed over the years is the root of the problem of this issue of self-sabotage 
is wrapped up in the performance equation. People are so preoccupied and concerned over failure and success that that's what they tend to focus on, how they're doing relative to where they want to be or aspire to be versus focusing fully on what they're doing. And rule number two of the mental road simply says the conscious mind can only actively process one thought at a time. So here's the fundamental problem. If I'm focused on how I'm doing, how fast I am, whether I'm winning, at the same moment in time, I cannot be fully focused on what I'm doing. And so often leaders, think of the corporate leader. Salesmen have quotas. There's always a benchmark that someone has to hit. And the more the leadership gets people to focus on the benchmark, on the quota, on the numbers, people end up focusing on the gap between where they are and where they need to be rather than on what they're doing. And they start making mistakes and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. I've seen corporate teams that I've worked with shift the culture in their organization along the lines of A times B equals results as a backbone. And every single one of them has increased their effectiveness and their results as a product of not focusing on the results, but of focusing on the execution of the process day to day that leads to that results. It's counterintuitive. Here's what's counterintuitive. If you want results to be as good as they can possibly be, in that song you're performing on stage, in that baseball game you're playing, in that presentation or pitch you're making to a client. Focus all of your intellectual capacity and effort on as perfect an execution of the process as you can, and that will drive the best result possible. Doesn't guarantee you'll get what you want because you don't know what the B factors are in the equation yet, the things you can't control. But you will leave nothing on the table and you'll deliver your best performance and you will not have anxiety. And you can't do better than the best you can do. So that's the secret. It's as simple as that. Focus on the things that you can control, what you do, so that you don't waste your focus on the things you can't control because you can't control them. Simple to say, not easy to do. Yeah, it does sound so simple. When you explain it and put it into the context there, it just makes so much sense. But it's just not that common out there and it's not that hard to do. And again, maybe it takes practice, but that's what these conversations are all about. Dr. Dallaire, just sort of on a closing note here, and thanks so much for your time today. I know you're incredibly busy, but I was I was really, really looking forward to have you on here to sort of kick off our 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 theme this year on organizational and team performance. And one word that keeps coming up, you know, on your websites and even in our conversations is the whole idea of culture. You know, if we're going to really embark on this investigation of what it takes to make a team, an organization click, I just love this idea. You know, you talk about the performance equation, A times B equals results. That stands for every individual on your team. It also can stand for, you know, your overall uh, modus operandi for your organization. But this word culture. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. This word culture, maybe that's part of the culture we need to uh, create. That is exactly the culture we need to create. A lot of companies, you see their mission statements and they espouse the desire, the, the mission to be a high performance team. But I wonder how many of those organizations truly understand what are the attributes that are critical to being a high performance team? What are the things that really define a high performance thing, team? 
for a lot of companies, their idea of a, a high-performance team is someone who has great numbers. Well, guess what? That's not a high-performance team. The reality of it is many organizations do not understand the inbred, intrinsic attributes in their team members that lead to high performance. And that takes awareness to shift and to change that culture. And the willingness to do so, and maybe guidance from the leadership. And I know you've worked with a lot of leaders over the years to steer organizations. And and it goes back to maybe our opening conversation about that pit crew on that Formula One race team that changes tires and refuels the car and gets that driver back out on the track. And I think you said sometimes less than three seconds or around three, three seconds. Now that is what an incredibly high performing team right there. (laughs) Yeah. For that, for that specific task, that is a high performance team. There is no way around it. Yeah. Does it mean that they're high performance in the other things that they do? Well, maybe they are. Maybe they're not. They've learned to bring their focus of attention to the task when they're doing that task. One would hope that they take the same uh, thought and mindset to all the other things they do, and those would be the benchmarks of an overall high-performance team. Mm. So High-performance teams are are somewhat task-specific too, aren't they? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really like what you say. I could be a high-performance – I could be a high-performance – surgeon who in the operating room absolutely is on top of his game. And then I go home and on the family front, I'm a basket case or whatever, right? Got to understand how the dots are connected. If we're going to take control and understand how to become high performance more consistently, the benefit is we also create less anxiety for ourselves. If we follow that path. Oh boy. And if people want to find out a little bit more about things that I do and maybe connect more easily to my, to my social media stuff and so on, you might suggest that they go to uh, the, the URL www.drdelaire.co and that will take them to my link tree. And from my link tree, they can look at the website, they can see some books, they can go to see uh, Twitter and Instagram and all the other things as well. It's kind of a hub, as you know, uh, Linktree is a kind of a portal to get to all those things in one easy address. So I'd encourage anybody who wants to read a little bit more and hear a little bit more. That would be a place to go. Yeah. Great stuff, Dr. Diller. Actually, I have your Linktree uh, page bookmarked. I'm going to share that link with everybody who listens to the show, if that's okay, because guy, everybody, I'm really encouraging sure. you to get into Dr. Delaire's world just to, again, like our, one of the missions on our show here, Dr. Delaire, is just to maybe get people thinking about things that they haven't thought about before. And I'm telling you what, ever since we first talked with you years and years ago on the show, you've been getting us thinking, mister. And I have to, I have to truly thank you uh, uh, for that. And today is no exception. You know, the whole uh, conversation around uh, self-evaluation and your your clarity of self-criticism and self-critique, the idea of worry and the responsibility that we attach with worry. All these concepts are incredibly important. And, and I, I, I really, really appreciate what you say about, you know, being a task oriented, real high performer, but you can also carry that into other parts of your life. Such an important thing. So we're going to share that link tree uh, with everybody, if that's all right. Yeah, I'm, I appreciate that. I think uh, they might find some useful information there that they think that can help them to think about thinking differently. All I do is I sort of package it in the way 
that helps people sometimes to connect the dots in a different way. Yeah. So that's my goal. That's my, that's my responsibility, my mission. Yep. Well, I'm telling you, um, the performance equation has been a game changer for me and many of the people I share it with, my girls as well, my family. Um, the, the ACT model, I can't wait to get more into that. And of course, uh, you know, performance thinking and helping kids perform. The books are also quite great. So lots of great stuff coming from Dr. Dallaire. Much more to come, I'm sure, Dr. Dallaire. What's next on, on tap for you, sir? Well, I have a, this is probably a three to four year project. I'm taking my full curriculum that I do with these high performance teams and individuals who visit with me, and I'm going to lay them out into about an eight hour curriculum that I will uh, have developed into a series of video training modules that people would be able to consume, uh, you know, in their pajamas at home on their own schedule. It will, they will be done at a very high production value. And I can tell you that the material was relevant a thousand years ago, and it will be relevant a hundred years from now. So if they're, if these videos are done well in a documentary format, they will stand the test of time and they will be relevant to every single human being on the planet for the next hundred years or as long as we're still on this rock. I love it. So my goal is to pull the resources necessary together to create that, that plan over the next three to four years. Well, fantastic. Well, we'll keep our eyes open for that. And we are sure there'll be many more discussions with Dr. Jacques Delaire as that project's coming together. Dr. Delaire, thanks so much for your time today. Safe travels and all that you're doing here. And we look forward to following you on social media and talking to you again soon. Thanks, Jeff, for the opportunity to chat with you again. And uh, uh, you know how to get hold of me. I sure do. Thank you. Be careful what you wish for, Dr. Delaire. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. Well, you know what? I'm also over the years, have developed the capacity to say no when I want to. Ah, very good. Very good. So I can expect to be shot down. I'm not worried. (laughs) Okay. I'm not worried. Good, Good for that. Good for that. Okay, there you go, everybody. Dr. Jacques Delaire, president of Performance Prime. You can check him out at drdelaire.com, D-R-D-A-L-L-A-I-R-E.com. Follow him at Dr. Delaire, and you can check out performanceprime.net, and all the contacts are there, okay? Listen, a fantastic conversation. Again, we're starting to see some themes here, right? Environment, culture, but most importantly, every conversation we've had so far looking at our theme of organizational and team performance, it all comes down to one really familiar common denominator, and that's the individual people inside the organization. From ownership, leadership, right down to boots on the ground. That pathway is a two-way street. We need leadership and guidance from the top down, but we also need feedback and information coming from the bottom up. And that's what creates that horizontal or vertical plane of leadership and organizational performance. And you think, I think you need a little bit of both. One of the main takeaways for me in this show is the whole concept of self-evaluation. I think it's something that, you know, at least through my whole career has been sort of a sticking point. It's always been something that's interested me, probably because I don't think that as humans, we do a very good job at self-evaluating. Now, it's interesting how Dr. Dallaire broke that down and kind of chastised me there, but I get what he's saying. He says, you know, we're not really that bad at self-evaluating. We just do it the wrong way. We tend to criticize ourselves and criticize others rather than 
critiquing ourselves constructively and critiquing others constructively. Some people might call it constructive criticism. How about we get rid of that word criticism altogether? It has derogatory tones about it. Criticize is negative, right? To critique, however, is a totally, totally different ballgame. So I think I really appreciate that. It's something I'm going to be conscious of when I talk to my athletes from now on. Because one of the things I've struggled on, and I could show you my file in my performance file here, all the different self-evaluations that I've got. And one of the things I find with the self-evaluations is um, we're really general, really fluff answers, right? Like we'll say, hey, what are your strengths? Well, yeah, I work hard. Well, what, what the heck does that mean? Or what are your goals? Well, my goal is to be the best. Well, that's, that's a great, but, but that doesn't really help you achieve your goal. When I say, what are your goals? I would probably like to see a little more concise, descriptive answer on, you know, yes, maybe what it is to be the best, but being the best is such a, draw, a general broad term that how do you define being the best? When I ask an athlete, what are your goals? And they say, I'd like to be the best maybe at my position. What does that mean? And that means, you know, having um, a fewer errors, having better range to my right side. And how are you going to do it? Right. So we tend to when I first give an athlete a self-evaluation and it's just this cool little sheet. I have I have about 10 of them, by the way. And I'm still trying to really hone in that delivery, the delivery of that, of that questionnaire to help the athletes really get a grip of what they're all about. And this right here, though, today's conversation, one of the big takeaways amongst the many uh, talking to Dr. Dallaire today was this whole idea about self-evaluation and the anxiety and stress we put on ourselves, fear of being judged, right? And I think that comes from everybody. So inside of an organization, what an opportunity here for an organization to turn around the rhetoric, just the way we present information and the way we talk about what needs to get done. Oh, I love it. And I think some of the great organizations and teams are doing this already, but it's really, really good to think about. Okay, listen, I have to thank Dr. Dallaire for all of his uh, time and information today. Again, drdallaire.com. Check it out, performanceprime.net. Incredible stuff. He's been on the show a number of times and I can't wait to uh, have him on again. Just a wealth of knowledge. And I'm really looking forward to uh, what he's got uh, brewing next because uh, boy oh boy he is a game changer for sure I want to thank you guys for tuning in share this show with your family with your teammates with your co-workers with your fellow teachers fellow coaches because I think this is a conversation we really need to have episode number three of the crush 2022 theme organizational and team performance boom what a success coming up next week we're going to talk to another performance coach Bill Toll, who has been accredited with being one of the key factors, if not the key factor, for keeping the band Metallica together. We're going to talk a bit about the band for sure, but I'm more interested on what he did with the band to not just get them back together and on track, but that send them into where they're at right now. Now, this was the early 2000s, and if you look what Metallica has done since then, oh my goodness, their work is just better than ever, and they're and they're still rocking. And so I think there's going to be a lot to learn here. We're going to get into the mindset and the approach of Phil Toll, performance coach, next week on Crush Performance in episode number four of our organizational and team series here for 2022. All right? So, guys, get out there. Have a great week. Practice that self-evaluation. Don't criticize. Critique. Get feedback and act on it. It's the only way to truly self-correct. All right? Get out there. Have a great week, everyone. I can't wait to talk to you next week right here on Crush Performance. Don't forget to ride!
This is an In the Trenches with Ian Beckles quick fix on Radio Influence. Now we can say, where were you when you found out that Tom Brady retired? And where were you when he unretired and he retired again and unretired? So that's where we are now. Tom Brady is a Buccaneer uh, for one more year. Uh, I'll be honest with you. If you listen to the Beckles and Retro Show, which is on every day or Monday through Friday from 3 to 7 on 95.3 WDAE, I've been saying the whole time he's not done. Okay? It just doesn't work that way. It just, it's not that easy. We're talking about something that Tom Brady loves more than anything. Okay? It's what fuels him in the morning. If you take that away, you're not giving it away. Actually, you're giving it away. Nobody's taking away. You're just giving it away. It was taken away from me, okay? I love football to death. I wish I could play today. The money's great. Uh, everything about football is beautiful. But at my age, obviously, I can't do it. It was taken away from me. He gave it up. He gave it up. It doesn't work that way, people. You work your whole life to get there and get that opportunity. So Tom Brady's back. The Bucks are back. The Bucks went from 20 to 1 uh, to, to win the Super Bowl to 10 to 1 and one minute, and that's Tom Brady. Uh, Ryan Jensen re-signed. From what I hear, he called Ryan Jensen up immediately and says, don't sign that. Don't go anywhere else. I'm coming back. So Ryan Jensen's coming back. Gronk's probably not too far behind. Now we're talking about players like Dominican Sue, maybe JPP, don't know. All these guys are maybe were up in the air and didn't know whether they're going to come back. Now they're going to come back for one last run. Who's going to not want to be part of the last hurrah of Tom Brady? In the Trenches with Ian Beckles can be found on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Google Podcasts, and RadioInfluence.com.